Welcome to Podcast Ed, the podcast of reimaginedonline.org, sparking the evolution of education choice. On this episode, senior writer Lisa Bowie talks with Caroline Tevlin, an elementary Spanish teacher at Florida Virtual School who taps into her students' individual learning styles to help them master the material. Today I have with me Senora Caroline Tevlin, or <laughs> Mrs. Tevlin in English. Um, Ms. Tevlin is a Spanish, elementary Spanish teacher at Florida Virtual School. So welcome, uh, Senora. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having, having me. Muchas gracias. Start by uh, having you tell us a little about yourself. When, when and why did you decide to become a teacher? Sure. Well, I, I first want to talk about my awesome family. I'm married to a professional fisherman and have a one-year-old daughter named Marina. Um, so I live in Largo, Florida on the west coast of Florida, but I'm originally from Illinois or suburb, suburb of Chicago. Um, so I grew up with an excellent education from elementary school through high school. It's such great teachers. So they truly, really inspired me um, and just wanting to become a leader and to be able to teach too. I was a babysitter and a lifeguard as well as um, my high school dance coach actually. So my passion has always been with children and with kids. So that's where I really developed a love for teaching. Um, but my dad was a commercial airline pilot with United for 40 years. So growing up, I was traveling all over the world, which is such a blessing to have that experience. And I was able to see such cool cultures and how other people live was just so interesting to me. So that's what really drew me to wanting to teach Spanish in addition to having great Spanish teachers in high school. But yeah, so that's kind of what inspired me to become a teacher and a little bit about my background and what led me to teaching. Kind of in your blood. Kind of. Yeah, it's kind of neat to know that you know, my passions really led me to hear and to just recognize and reflect on that now is, is, is great. Well, what do you like? Why did you join FLVS? You know, I wasn't aware of FLVS until my um, Bible study leader um, told me about it because I, I taught up north in a private Christian school for two years. And I moved to Florida and taught at a public middle school for four years. And when I moved in with my husband, it was a totally different area. So I was looking for a new school and she knew I was looking for a job. Um, and she is the one who helped me get an interview with Florida Virtual School. And it was nice to learn and research about Florida Virtual School. Such a good fit for me. Um, so I was hired actually the second year the Spanish program started with the elementary program. That was four years ago, five years ago. So it was really neat to kind of be at the beginning of when the Spanish program started with Flex Elementary. So what was the transition like from brick and mortar to virtual education for you? Well, you know, I, I went through a training with Florida Virtual School. It was a week-long training, and um, they really guided us and taught us these um, new tools of um of technology and how to use their best practices and put them into place. So it was a lot different from brick and mortar and being in a classroom, but man, it was so great to have that flexibility and so many tools and 
um, things that I could utilize that I've used before, but this really, um, gosh, made me think creatively and really connect with the students and meet them where they're at and really think innovatively too, if that's a word, <laughs> um, to kind of use what, what tools they had and also think creatively as far as, you know, things that I could utilize and um, bring what I was using in the brick and mortar in the classroom and use it virtually online. Innovations were you able to carry over? Well, the basic PowerPoint and Microsoft and things that I've I used there, but also just my songs and videos. I really incorporate a lot of music and uh, TPR, the Total Physical Response, to teach um, teach Spanish, especially kids. And you know, when I was in middle school in Tampa, I did that a lot as well. Um, but being able to use that Google Maps and virtual reality to take them to Spain or take them to Mexico um, and give them that virtual reality. Um, and so just from my computer screen or from the you know board on the classroom, I could have it on their actual screens, whatever device that they were using. Wow. So you can take kids who you know, never would get to go to those places and essentially just take them there. Definitely. I mean, I could, sh I share my personal photos sometimes, but to research a museum or tell them about a park that is in Madrid and tell them about a soccer game or that stadium to actually, you know, take them to that place and kind of act like we're going there on the magic school bus and go there as a, as a, as a class. You can't, really do that in brick and mortar. What what new innovations were you able to put into practice as a result of having an, a new virtual platform? Oh, so many. I'm really in love with a platform called Nearpod. Um, that's what I use to teach the live class times that I do every week. Um, so what's really neat about Nearpod is I upload my slides, but there's so many excellent tools for the kids to actively participate throughout the lesson. They can draw on the board, like their own physical board. I can see them working. Um, we can play games together as a class. Um, they can look at the videos. And like I said, with that virtual reality in Nearpod, they have that as an option. So I can type in a place um, that we're discussing or pull up a video and have that be part of the presentation. It's really neat. I can do polls or little quizzes. So they keep adding new and new new features. And Nearpod is what really has been an, a new innovation that I think is very excellent to help students learn. I understand you do verbal assessments at FOVS. Yeah. I don't know if this is related because of you teaching Spanish or if this mm -hmm. is system-wide. Um, but what are they and what is their purpose? Yeah, so at Vir Florida Virtual School, all courses require these discussion-based assessments. And this is where teachers evaluate students' knowledge and make sure they understand what, where, what they are learning in the course. Um, and it's great because it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And it's either video or phone call. I prefer video um, so I can connect with the student. But it's really neat because it's able 
it's a great time where the teachers can establish a relationship with the students and with the families and have that rapport with them. But it's great. Um, with Spanish, it's nice to have that individualization. Uh, well, Spanish specifically, every course needs this. But for our course, we have a DBA. We call them DBAs or discussion-based assessments once per semester. Um, but what's great is that it's not intimidating. You know, you don't have the whole class watching you. <laughs> More of just that one-on-one -on -one conversation. Conducted entirely in Espanol? Um, not entirely. With elementary school, um, we try to make learning a, very fun and um, enjoyable. It totally depends on the student. I do teach level one of Spanish, and it goes all the way up to level five for elementary. But if I have a native Spanish speaker, yes, I will do the whole conversation in Spanish um, or as much as possible or as much as they feel comfortable. But as far as the test for most students go, it's in Spanish and in English. And I understand you've come up with an innovative idea to let these uh, students take these assessments. Tell me yeah. about that. Yes. So I have always known that every student, everyone, every person really learns differently. Um, so we all have our own unique way of learning and, um, you know, soaking in information. So I have developed a choice board and this choice board is based on each student's learning style. Um, so what's neat is at the beginning of the DBA, I asked the students um, what their preferred method of learning is, whether they prefer to see, whether they prefer to listen, or maybe move to learn something new. And so I give some specific examples and they tell me what their preferred method of learning would be. Um, I have a wide range of ages and of students from all different backgrounds, so I have a lot of mixed answers. I feel like a majority would probably say they're visual learners, but what's great is after they choose, oh, I'm a visual learner, then on the next slide, I have each topic from the course or from that module, and I will say, okay, well, look at all of the blue boxes. All of the blue boxes are the visual um, activities for you to look at, and or you can choose those. But if you don't want to choose those, you can also choose the auditory or the kinesthetic. So these range from activities about, for example, the first one's about la playa, the beach. So they can either draw things that they'd find at La Playa at the beach, or maybe they want to read a dialogue. That would be more of the auditory um, learner, and they can uh, read that to me or have me read it to them, and they'd circle those items. Or the last one for kinesthetic, they might have to act out things that they'd take with them to the beach. So after choosing those in Nearpod, I have fun little games or activities of where they can show me that they know that material from um, one of those styles of learning. So it kind of is fun because they feel more confident and excited to choose which activity that they do 
um, to really highlight that they know um, those words or those phrases in Spanish. Which method do most students end up choosing? Um, like I said, I think visual is what they what most students choose. But uh, like I said, I have a wide range of of kids, so I it's fun to see what they end up choosing, especially after they say that, oh, I'm a visual learner, and then they'll choose some of the auditory or kinesthetic activities, which is fine. You know, I just love giving them that freedom and flexibility um, to choose. It gives them more ownership and responsibility of their learning, and I feel like that really makes them feel more confident and less intimidated especially when learning Spanish. I think that's so important because learning another language, speaking another language can be very intimidating. Um, I love the elementary group because, you know, they're little sponges. <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun, but I think making it a fun experience, especially this young of age, is, is, um, is great. So having them choose is, I think... A good way to go. Yeah, I think when you give someone some agency over their uh, activity, it, it always results in better engagement and uh, confidence. But what's been the response from the students and, and from their parents? Oh, excellent response. Um, just the other day, parents said how much more confident and not threatening that she could just sense from her son doing um, the DBA and how much more freedom he felt. It was kind of motivating for him to get through uh, through the DBA. So I can tell, you know, they really enjoy it. Another student shared how it's not like most tests where the teacher just gives a question and then they have to answer that question. You know, just that one question and it's either right or wrong. Um, she likes to, she said she loved how you could choose to show what you learned which is really great. Um, another student who has ADHD, who struggled sitting still and staying focused, really enjoyed having this clear choice board and choosing those kinesthetic activities where she could stand up and show me, you know, different movements to show she knew how to help the family around the house using her Spanish words or doing that fun time to climb game in Nearpod and getting to the top of the mountain and going through each topic with me, I think really benefited her. So like I said, depending on your learning style, it could really benefit those kids and the parents see it too. So it's been fun. And are these formative assessments or summative? They're formative. What does summative mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's you might have to regular, think that out. A regular test, traditional test. Um, at least in my son's class, that's how it's works. You have some that are formative and then some that are summative. And they they count more towards your grade, the formative or more, to see where you, you are. Oh, summative. Well, summative, it is part of their grade. They are graded on this. I think it counts for just a greater percentage of the grade. Than, mm -hmm. than formative. Formative counts a little, but it's uh, it's more of a gauge of where you where you are and where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Well, it's worth twenty five points. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if that would count as formative or summative. 
to be honest. Yeah, some of them are your major tests. Gotcha. Well, it's a requirement for them to take this DBA. They can't skip it. Oh, have any other teachers been inspired to adopt it or some form of it in their classes? Yes, absolutely. I have shared my slides with many of my team members, but we all collaborate and share our ideas, which is the best part of my team. It's it's amazing. But some of them have used um, my slides and we kind of pull from each other's slides as well. But what's great is we can make it our own and make it our own style, our own unique activities or, or slides. Um, but yes, they have used them and I'm excited to be able to share more about it this upcoming year. FLVS is doing a spark tank where I will be able to teach more teachers in FLVS about my choice board for the discussion-based assessments. Great. Yeah. That is great. Well, are there any innovations that uh, colleagues have been using that you've adopted? Yes. And like I said, we share everything, which is the best part of FLBS. We are such a team. So we have a folder full of personalized texts. We can update emails, the live lesson slides, these DBA slides. Um, so we really share and continually collaborate. Every week we have uh, little meetings where we share best practices and tips. So it's fun to see what other teachers do and use their creativity um, but then also utilize it ourselves, too, to see it work for our kids. What advice do you have for teachers who may be considering transitioning to a virtual environment like you did? You know, I think you really need to be open and flexible, have that lifelong learner attitude, because um, it is very different from teaching in the classroom. Um, so having that open mind and, you know, consistently learning new new strategies and tools and shortcuts, I mean, things are always changing, but just like education and technology, things are excelling very fast. So if you are transitioning from brick and mortar to virtual, I would just recommend have have a positive attitude and also just be a learner too. People who have done it already. That said, you, you mentioned things changing very quickly. Where do you think education is heading? I recently mm -hmm. interviewed a founder of a virtual reality school where the kids put on headsets and or uh, yeah. in the in the metaverse, right there in it. They can go to the moon. They can go underwater. They can go to the oh, Oval Office. Cool. Um, what do you think education is going to look like years from now? Yes, I absolutely agree with with that, what you just said. I mean, I think the future, there is still going to be the brick and mortar public school and the private schools and the charter schools, but I especially think virtual school is is going to be, you know, more and more popular, especially after the pandemic. <laughs> um, a lot more families saw what a great resource virtual school could be for homeschooling, um, or for the students who want to accelerate and do more. Um, you know, we have a lot of excellent courses that maybe aren't offered in 
in the public school or brick and mortar school. So having the flexibility to kind of choose different things they want to take, it might be more personalized or self-paced, self-directed learning to be more flexible and give kids more freedom of, of their education or families in general being able to choose how their child is is learning. I mean, there's so much flexibility. Um, I have so many students from all over the world, really, some parents who are missionaries or parents who are traveling, some students who have medical cases that can't physically go to school, some students who are already doing professional sports or acting or in gymnastics. You know, it's just amazing to see how many kids are already figuring out their passions and what they they love to do, but also having an education where they have that choice to either physically go to school and, you know, have that experience or even do both. You know, a lot of kids are going to public school and they come home and take Spanish class or um, computer science or art or something to add to their own education. So I think the future is definitely leading that way where um, online learning is definitely here to stay, if not growing. Um, so it's cool to be part of that and see how fast that's growing. What else you think is important that I haven't covered? Um, as far as virtual learning um, and teaching virtually, I think it's so important to still maintain that relationship um, with the students. So one way that I have found immense um, connection is through my video feedback. So that's something that the students and parents, families really enjoyed because when a student submits an assignment and I give a grade, I make a video of myself um, saying the student's name, talking about their assignment or their project and giving them critique if needed or praise and, um, and then grading that assignment. But I think that is a really great way as well as doing the DBAs, the discussion-based assessments in video. That way they see your face, they can hear your voice, and um, you still have that relationship with the families and with the students. You can really get to know them that way and also make learning meaningful and important. Yeah, it is definitely uh, important to be personalized no matter what format you take. Um, mm -hmm. I want to thank you, Senora Tevlin, mm -hmm. Ms. Tevlin for joining us today. Thank you so much.